0: Listeners, so glad you're here with me for yet another look at the book of Jude. Today we're going to look at verses 5 through 8, and we've called this section Apostates in the Old Testament. Apostates in the Old Testament. So as we've been going through this inversion pattern type of outline, be on the lookout for when this same theme comes back up again. Uh, in this very short book of the Bible. So let's get into it, the Word of God. Jude 5-8 through eight. But I want to remind you, though you once knew this, that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who did not believe. And the angels who did not keep their proper domain but left their own abode, he has reserved in everlasting chains under darkness for the judgment of the great day. As Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them in a similar manner to these, having given themselves over to sexual immorality and gone after strange flesh, are set forth as an example suffering the vengeance of eternal fire likewise also these dreamers defile the flesh reject authority and speak evil of dignitaries these verses find jude reminding us of the past now particularly he's reminding of us us of how god brought the nation of israel out of egypt And we will eventually get to the book of Exodus and cover that more fully, but we want to notice here that Jude is bringing up the past, and there's a reason for this. Now, I confess to you that being a musician, I am fascinated with how contemporary forms of music, maybe it's called pop music or Uh, Top 40 or rock or rock and roll. It's always changing. Always changing. I occasionally listen to a podcast which traces the roots of rock and roll music as far back as 1938, if not all the way into the 1920s. And it's a very subjective study, and I don't agree with everything that the host uh, concludes. I don't um, look at things the same way he does but i do find it interesting that there's truly nothing new under the sun and the behavior of the unsaved secular musicians uh it seems to be the same back in 1938 as it is 90 years later here in the present day they had the use of drugs the suggestive lyrics the sexual deviance the drunken performances Uh, The infighting over creative differences among the band members, the legal, legal battles over the band name and who owns it and the copyrights and the money, and the stresses of touring, it was all there even 90 years ago, all the way back to 1938, and I would suggest that even back into the roaring 20s, even 100 years ago, And some of the tunes and the subject matter for the song material, uh, it was actually, it goes all the way back, even as far back as the Civil War in the United States. And what am I saying? Because this is not a podcast about rock music and musicians and all of the escapades that go with that. This is a podcast about uh, the Word of God. So, why am I bringing it up? Why is this important? Well, my point is is that there's nothing new under the sun, and just like the rock musicians of today and the things that they have in common with people even a hundred years ago, the ancient world gives us archetypes. It gives us examples, if you will, of men and women who, in a very real sense, are still walking among us today. Now, I'm not suggesting that uh, dead people have come back to life and that we've got ghosts or spirits or whatever walking around among us today. That's not what I mean. What I mean is that their worldview their lifestyle philosophy and even the way they viewed the one true living god it's all present in the world today and it was present back in the ancient times as well now it may have a different name but the idea is the same a rose by any other name is still a rose and in the words of billy joel even though the styles Uh, may have changed and the uh, uh, technology around recording has changed billy joel would say it's still rock and roll to me (laughs) and rebellion against god though it may come in many different forms it is still rebellion against god so remember from our last study in verse For, there was this phrase where it said, long ago, these men were marked out for this condemnation. When were they marked out for it? Long ago. What were they marked out for? Condemnation. And in a way, Jude is saying that there's connection between what happened a long time ago to what is happening now. And of course, now for Jude would be a long time for us. But wait. Wait. Hold on, there's even more. Jude is saying that this unwelcomed presence of certain people in the midst of the Lord's church has a connection to their eventual downfall. And that that was known even longer ago. There's one thing for certain. Jude is following up his claim that... These men were marked out for condemnation such a long, long time ago. That's his claim. And he's following it up with what we see in the passage that we're studying today. There's three groups that Jude brings our attention to here. And these are people from the past, from Jude's past, and therefore certainly even longer uh, for us, our ancient past as well. And these people are specifically found in the Old Testament. And this is why I've called this portion of the outline apostates in the Old Testament. Now, I want us to take a look at each one of these three different groups. While they are all apostates, they each differ in the kind of fruit, if you will, that comes forward. Or there's a specific characteristic to each group. As they are in their apostasy. So group number one, the first group, verse five mentions this first group that God destroyed after he brought them out of Egypt. Why were they destroyed? Because they did not believe him. Unbelief, it will rob you of the blessings of God. And in all cases, unbelief ultimately brings death and destruction. It brings physical death. It brings spiritual death. It brings destruction in terms of relationships and families and friendships. It brings uh, destruction of innocence. And this first group shows us what happens when unbelief takes root in the heart. We defined apostasy in the last episode, and so with that in mind, let's look at what's going on here in verse 5. You've got this vast assembly of people that God led out of Egypt, and Jude actually says that he wants to remind the reader of these people. What is he reminding us about these people? These are Israelites of old and they knew God's grace they had personally seen what God has done for his people and yet when it came time to follow him into the promised land they did not believe him they did not believe God and Jude reminds us that God's judgment will come and it will do so even upon those who are attempting to live within certain moral imperatives and you'll remember that i've mentioned moral imperatives a couple of times now in the book of jude his judgment will come upon those who we might even think of as quote unquote churched people jude says that these people even after being recipients of God's grace, have ultimately rejected the very ministry of Jesus Christ. Notice that Jude states that they were destroyed because they did not believe. And I want you to think about this. They saw the salvation of God. God actually visited them and settled in their midst, the Bible says, but their unbelief was a flat-out rebellion and rejection of him. Listen to God's judgment upon Israel from Numbers chapter 14, beginning in verse 32. And this is what he says. He says, But as for you, your dead bodies shall fall in the wilderness. And your children shall be shepherds in the wilderness forty years, and shall suffer for your faithlessness, until the last of your dead bodies lies in the wilderness, according to the number of days in which you spied out the land forty days, a year for each day. You shall bear your iniquity forty years, and you shall know my displeasure i the lord have spoken surely this will i do to all this wicked generation who are gathered against me in this wilderness they shall come to a full end and there and there they shall die so a question here do you think god takes unbelief in him seriously what was their crime against the god of the universe Yes, it was unbelief, but look at what God calls it. He says it is faithlessness and iniquity, iniquity. He calls the whole generation wicked. So what does iniquity mean? It's so important that you get this. Iniquity speaks not to the action which was done, but it speaks of the character of the action. It's immoral action, certainly, but it comes from within the heart. God judges, friends, not just because of what was done or what was not done, but as I have said over and over and over again, and if you listen to this podcast, you're going to hear me say it in more than a couple of places. He judges the heart of a man. That's what God is looking at. So get this you and I are no different friends let us be on our guard as Christians we must believe we must exercise our faith and take God at his word and be ready to defend it and we defend it not because God needs our help in defending him but the Bible commands us that we are to be ready to give a reasoned defense for what for the hope that is within us We must earnestly contend, agonize, if you will. And remember, it's not about what we do necessarily, but it is about what is in our hearts, our motivation for the action. Brings us to our second group. Let's look at group number two, as I've called them. And this comes from verse six, where God brings up, or Jude brings up rather, angels angels that didn't keep their proper place and now they are in everlasting chains the bible says these creatures of god who once lived with god but now because of rebellion are in chains and rc states it this way he says quote the angels in question rebelled against their god-given responsibilities and abandoned their areas of ministry or residence and some take this to mean they left heaven and came to earth end quote now i mentioned in the introduction my belief that this is a reference back to genesis 6 and please feel free to go back and listen to my podcast uh go through we went through the book of genesis verse by verse and you can listen to all the episodes there uh And so I certainly agree with R.C. on this point that these angels uh, came to earth. The angels who were once uh, in the very presence of God, those who worshiped God, and they were witness to uh, all of his actions at the dawn of creation itself, we see that there is a judgment coming. Not only for those who lived upon the earth, but of those who have lived in the heavenly realms, these angels. So here we have another fruit of apostasy, if you will. Um, it is the one born of the idea of autonomy. Autonomy. And perhaps you've heard it said that the road to hell is paved with good intentions and i would submit for your consideration that the road to hell is sometimes paved with those who once saw the throne of god and lived in his presence and rather than being compelled to further worship these angels were instead filled with a rebellion and evidently God placed boundaries upon his angels, and that makes sense from what we know of our God. Uh, Certain ones did not respect these boundaries of God. In short, they wanted to be autonomous. And what does that mean when I say autonomous? They wanted to be self-governing. They wanted to live by their own rules. They did not want to submit to God's rules And I would ask, is this any different than the attitude of our very first parents, Adam and Eve? They were in the garden, and yet Adam wanted to increase his domain um, into an area which was forbidden by God. And I want you to think about this. God says, Adam, you have dominion over the garden. You have dominion over all of the animals of the garden. It is all yours, except for one thing. There's just one thing that is not to be uh, consumed by you. Everything else is for you, but this one thing is not for you. And so Adam wanted to take his domain, if you will, further than the boundary that God had set. And these angels, I would submit that they have had tasks. They have had some kind of authority or a rank structure. Um, The Bible really doesn't tell us a lot about the angelic realm, but what we do know, what we can gather from the places where it does speak of angels, there appears to be at least some kind of duty or responsibility or a ranking structure or a tier system. Uh, We don't know what that looks like, but there appears to be some thing that god has commanded his angels to do and they have a tasking like i said and these particular angels wanted to engage with humans in a way that was pure evil because god said you're not to do that and so in genesis 6 we have the story of their transgression they had an appetite for sexual encounters with human women And I know that some people don't like that. They look for ways to wordsmith it and get around it. And I was even reading a commentary as I was preparing for this uh, video right now, the one I'm doing right now. I was reading some commentary and it was amazing to me how they tried to get out of what the scripture says. Uh, It says that the sons of God saw the daughters of men. That they were fair and they took wives that's what it says took wives from the humans and i know that people don't like that and it creates uh issues and unanswered questions but that is what the scripture states in any event it appears here that jude is appealing to that knowledge that his audience would know and they accepted we know that the ancients believed that this is what happened regardless as christians the point is we don't get to make up our own rules regarding sexual behavior desires or anything else we don't operate autonomously we rely upon the authority of jesus christ we submit to the authority of jesus christ you see when god saved you not only did he save you from your sin and from the punishment that it brings but he saved you from self-rule self-rule be a willing subject of king jesus now or become a subject of his righteous judgment on that final day group number three this third group comes to us from verse seven and let's take a look at this final example of the apostate heart and action we find here a picture not only of sexual immorality but a list of sins which goes even further in genesis 18 and 19 as you may recall we find lot abraham's nephew he's living among the people of sodom and gomorrah he takes in these angelic visitors who have come to execute god's judgment upon the cities of sodom and gomorrah and these angels of god apparently have the appearance of men Uh, this seems to be what the scripture would indicate and they certainly looked like men enough for the homosexuals of the city and we know that they looked like men because the men of the city that is the homosexuals of the city that night gathered around lots house and demanded to have the visitors brought out to them and the bible says so that they could know them another translation says know them carnally the homosexual men of the city wanted these men to be brought out so that they could be raped by the men of the city and friends when the bible says uh, especially in the in the Old King James and the Victorian English, when it says that a man knew his wife, uh, it doesn't mean that they sat down for a nice interview. It means that they were uh, sexually uh, unified. It means that they came together in the normal way, sexually, that a man and a woman would come together. So here, when when it says that the men of the city wanted to know uh, lots of visitors. It's not talking about, like I said, having a nice interview. They wanted to come together with them sexually. They wanted to know them sexually. And so, uh, friends, I want to read a passage of scripture to you here uh, from the prophet Ezekiel. And this is what Ezekiel has to say. And you can find this in Ezekiel chapter 16, verses 49 through 50. And here's what Ezekiel said. Look, this was the iniquity of your sister, Sodom. She and her daughter had pride, fullness of food, and abundance of idleness. Neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor and needy. They were haughty and committed abomination before me god lists out six different sins and among them are this abomination before god and then he says therefore i took them away as i saw fit and again we have that word iniquity there the intention of their heart was all of these things friends we have seen here in the west that sexual immorality tends to follow in societies which enjoy way too much free time affluence breeds idle time means and money to get anything you want you can go after anything you can imagine and as i just mentioned Jude alludes to this desire among the angels to have sexual union with humans. And here we see that these homosexuals of Sodom wanted the same kind of union with angelic hosts, even if they did not know at the time that they were angels. Jude states that they were going after strange flesh. And in another translation, it calls it other flesh this was a desire to go after flesh which was different than their own it's sick and it is twisted these who were punished in the fire from heaven which rained down on Sodom and Gomorrah were recipients of God's vengeance according to what Jude says here why God's vengeance Because they sinned against God, giving themselves over to fornication and sexual perversion. And again, we are going through, when we were going through Genesis, I brought up the arguments which come from so called gay Christians. One argument was that Sodom and Gomorrah were judged because of their lack of hospitality. And it's interesting, isn't it, that Jude seems to think that the reason that they were burned with eternal fire had to do with their sexual immorality. That's what he brings up here. Now, certainly in that list of things we just read out, yeah, they didn't help the poor. They didn't help the needy. They were haughty, meaning they were arrogant, and they had idleness, and they had excess. All that's listed out. But Jude focuses in on here on sexual immorality, immorality so who are you going to believe friends jude and ezekiel you know and i would just remind you jude was the writer under the inspiration of the holy spirit and he was the half brother of christ are you going to believe him are you going to believe the prophet of god ezekiel or are you going to believe the homosexual Who, because of his commitment to an agenda, doesn't want to admit what the Bible so clearly states. Were there other sins that were mentioned against Sodom and Gomorrah? Absolutely, there were. There were. But those sins led them to an even deeper sin, and that was this idea of sexual perversion. Men with men, as it says in Romans, doing those things which are not fit, which are not correct. So with this in mind, I want to mention that there seems to be no limit in today's world of sexual deviance and violence. And I fear that anything that you can imagine has probably been captured on video and placed on the Internet. And I'm clearly not that tech savvy or I would have better quality productions. But my understanding is that if you are a filthy dreamer, as Jude talks about here, that you can find it on the dark web. And, but friends, you don't even have to go that far. You can find such things. The vilest, uh, most disgusting things can be streamed directly into your home. And movies have certainly portrayed sexual unions with the demonic, just as they have glorified the serial killer in the most graphic detail. Friends, where is your heart? What are you thinking about? What do you dream of? In verse 8, Jude is saying that we should learn from the examples of those who have gone before us, who did not believe in God, did not keep their proper place, and went after strange sexual practices. God, through his bondservant Jude, is issuing a warning to false teachers what does jude call those false teachers he calls them dreamers what kind of dreamers are they what kind of things are they dreaming about they're dreaming about defiling the flesh they reject authority they're filthy and you will recall that we talked about that rejection of authority in the last episode and in the english standard version the esv in verse eight it calls it it says it this way now in the version that i read you it said that they uh, did not have respect for dignitaries but an, uh, another translation here in the esv it says they blaspheme the glorious ones and in the new american standard bible it says that they revile angelic majesties so once again we see a reference here to angelic hosts whether you want to call them dignitaries or the glorious ones or angelic majesties what's the bible telling us here it's saying that these filthy dreamers who are false teachers if i could paraphrase it they defile their own flesh they reject the authority of christ as the sole authority and they even hate is angels the good angels they hate them and so let me put everything that we've just talked about together with the previous episodes as christians we are to earnestly contend for the faith because if we know anything about the past we know that these false teachers these imposters these false converts and all the rest and everything that goes with it We know that they will be among us. And if we also know anything about the record of our just God from the past, we know that he will bring judgment upon these filthy dreamers. And it will mean their ultimate destruction. But this does not mean that we are not to equip ourselves so that we uh, uh, are not ready. We want to be ready. We want to be ready uh, to spot these false teachers, to pick them out. In fact, we have got to stay on guard. And we closed out the last episode by saying that it was not only a warning going out to those who are part of this camp of imposters, these unwelcomed people that have come in, slipped in. Remember, I talked about them sneaking in. But it is a warning for us as well that we don't become part of that group. That we hold to the truth of the doctrine of Christ. And what is that truth? That Jesus was born, born of a virgin. That he lived a life sinless and perfect in every way. That he died upon the cross, that he was crucified for the sins of his people that he was buried laid to rest for three days in the tomb but he rose from the dead victorious over death hell and the grave that he ascended into heaven and that he now sits at the right hand of the father and that all those who believe in him that would call upon his name will be saved that is the doctrine of Christ. Understand one thing, friends. God does not tolerate unbelief. He doesn't tolerate human or angelic autonomy, and He certainly doesn't accept sexual deviance and immorality. If your dreams are filled with these kinds of things, if this is what you're thinking about, you are defiling your flesh. You are rejecting authority, and specifically you're rejecting the authority of Christ. If you do not truly believe, you need to know that it's not going to be tolerated by God in the last day. And I call you to repent of your sins and believe the gospel. Well, friends, that wraps it up for today. I hope this study has encouraged you. I hope that you will be on guard against false teachers and all of the indicators of false teaching. And lastly, don't fall into it yourself. Don't fall into it yourself. Follow Christ. Submit to his authority. And in all your ways, acknowledge him. And he will direct your path. Amen.